My name is Pedro Mujabafid, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now, the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement or other person. Alright, let's start the show. Hey everyone, with us today we have Dr. Sid Levy, who's an advanced radiology and nuclear medicine trainee. Thanks for joining us today, Sid. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about your journey and how you've come to the stage that you are now? Sure. So uh, I uh, was a medical student at Melbourne Uni and I did my residency at uh, Royal Melbourne and then decided to do general surgery uh, and uh, became an advanced trainee in general surgery for a couple of years through St Vincent's and then I decided to do a PhD through the College of Surgeons at the time and halfway through that PhD I decided to change my mind and decided I wanted to be a radiologist so I switched over to radiology at the end of my PhD and I'm now doing a fellowship in nuclear medicine at the end of my radiology training. What uh, caused you to swap from both uh, advanced surgical training into a PhD and then once again out of a PhD into radiology? Well, PhDs uh, to me was a complement to my surgical training, so I didn't see that as uh, incompatible with continuing my surgical training and it was encouraged at the time. So uh, I saw it as an opportunity to gain some uh, research and particularly lab-based skills so that I could hold my own uh, from a, t a scientific perspective. Um, and it actually then gave me the opportunity to reflect when, whilst I wasn't uh, amidst the, the, the busyness of, of surgical training. And uh, after a year and a half of my PhD, I decided that uh, uh, I felt that I had more in common with my friends who were doing radiology at the time. and. Uh, yeah, I thought I might also have a little bit more time uh, to myself after hours and not quite as much uh, on call after my training finished. And so I decided that it'd be a, a better balance, uh, work-life balance, if you like. And, and I also thought it was more interesting. I thought that there were more um, opportunities for uh, changing technologies and uh, the opportunity to branch out in your practice uh, and not be tied down to a, a fixed specialty. So it was both the uh, work-life balance and the actual work in itself which caused you to swap from one Pretty much, out. yeah. And it was the influence of your friends and the life that you saw that they had which uh, intrigued you, was it? Or did you kind of double in radiology as well? Uh, no, I think, um, I, I must admit, I was influenced by uh, the, the, the friends that I, I'd made along the way and, and uh, a couple of them were in radiology and uh, I got to know more through them than perhaps anything else because uh, radiology is one of those areas uh, that you, you can't do an internship in usually um, or a residency. It's, it's something that you tend to have to decide to do as a registrar. And uh, yeah, so through those guys, I, I got to know it quite well and uh, I liked the consultants that I came across. So I decided that was, that was good enough for me. 
How set were you on surgical training and surgery as, a, uh, as your profession when you were a medical student and in your junior doctor years? I was very set actually. Like at the time, um, I, I did change a little bit, but when I was a medical student, uh, I went through phases. I decided I, I, I did want to do surgery towards the end of my medical student training. And then as a resident, uh, I switched between uh, plastics and urology uh, and uh, at the time, general surgery was a good way to uh, to get your foot in the door. And I figured then uh, I would uh, choose either plastics or urology whilst being a general surgical trainee, which would make it a bit easier for me to do that. Um, I should say the rules have changed somewhat now with the set system. Uh, it is not that straightforward. Um, but when I did it, uh, it was more acceptable and, and easier to, to switch between general and subspecialty areas in surgery. Nowadays with the uh, increased competition for jobs and whatnot, uh, it, I guess there's a bit of a feel that it might be to your detriment if you go through half a training and then uh, switch decide to switch gears. What are yeah. your opinions on that? Yeah, look, it definitely, I did have to take a hit doing that. And um, that's why it took me such a long time to do it. And, and I reckon if I, uh, if I hadn't done my PhD, I'm pretty sure that I would have just kept on going and finished my surgical training. Um, but doing the PhD uh, did actually give me the opportunity to step back and to look at my life as a whole. And, um, you know, doing that, I, I, uh, I had the opportunity to to think to myself, where would I actually like to be in five or 10 years? And, uh, and it was that perspective, if you like, that uh, eventually after uh, a year, year and a half uh, made me decide that I would take that hit and I would make the switch now rather than at the end of my training when it would be very difficult to change. Mm -hmm. Was radiology something that you were interested in even as a medical student? Was it always in the back of your mind or was this kind of a re revelation that you had really at that time in your life? I was interested in I did an elective in it as a, uh, a medical student, but uh, I was interested in it in a secondary way. Like sure. I, I hadn't considered it as my primary career. Sure. And can you tell us a little bit about nuclear medicine? So why have you chosen to go down the nuclear medicine pathway? Oh, I've chosen nuclear medicine because I think that uh, uh, it's an area of uh, that's currently in very rapid growth, um, largely due to the... Uh, the, the advent, or not the advent, the, the progression of PET and integration with PET with uh, integration of PET with uh, CT and, and more recently MRI. Uh, so particularly in, in terms of uh, tumor imaging of which I've always been interested in oncology, I think that um, uh, CT PET uh, has a very bright future in terms of driving uh, tumor management. And so for that point of view, as a radiologist, you can't report any nuclear medicine unless you decide to do the full nuclear medicine training, which is two years. So uh, I decided towards the end of my radiology training that was, that was where I wanted to go. And uh, so I applied. Uh, Can you tell us what your uh, typical day involves and what kind of, I guess, uh, procedures you're doing on a regular basis? Sure. Would that be in radiology or nuclear medicine? Uh, in nuclear medicine in particular. Okay. In nuclear medicine, a uh, typical day does depend a bit on the department that you work at, but uh, at uh, Royal Melbourne, uh, it would usually involve a combination of cardiac imaging, which would be stress tests, uh, so stress MIBI imaging, 
uh, and uh, this would be then mixed in with uh, all other aspects of general nuclear medicine, including thyroid imaging, uh, renal imaging, bone imaging, and brain imaging. Uh, in other hospitals, it may actually uh, be more of a split between general nuclear medicine and PET, but Royal Melbourne does not have a PET at the moment, not until next year. How much of your day is split between uh, uh, doing the scans and whatnot and the, doing the reporting and documentation and any other roles that you have? Look, I have to say that varies, um, but on the whole, in this particular job, I would say that I spend probably a bit over half the time actually doing studies and procedures, uh, and then the remainder of the time reporting. But that's because there's a lot of cardiac imaging here, and in other hospitals, that might not be as much. Sure. And do you move around as part of your training, uh, as part of your nuclear medicine training to get, a, I guess, a glimpse of everything? You do one year in one hospital system and one year in, in another one. That's the demands of it. Sure. Uh, what do you think is the most, uh, I guess, the best part about your job? I think the variety and uh, the fact that um, really the flexibility, the flexibility and the variety are what I appreciate most about it. Uh, you can, once you've completed core training, you can branch out into a wide wide variety of different areas and uh, and I think that uh, you can also have quite a lot of say over how much you work and where you work. Mm -hmm. And so it's the flexibility in terms of your work-life balance is quite a key yeah. factor for you? Yeah, so work-life balance, the type of work environment, so you can work in public, you can work in private, you can work in both. Um, sure. There's a lot of choice. And besides uh, nuclear medicine, what are the other pathways that you can take once you finish your core radiology training? So the thing to note with nuclear medicine is that it can be entered via two pathways. You can be entered via a radiology pathway or via a, a physician's pathway. So if you decide that you want to be a physician, uh, you can choose to enter nuclear medicine straight off, uh, but a lot of people often uh, come to nuclear medicine from another physician training program, mm -hmm. such as cardiology, oncology, endocrinology. These are all legitimate ways to, um, to enter nuclear medicine. Uh, as a physician, it is advantageous to have uh, a, a dual qualification. So it is, it is helpful in terms of jobs uh, to be able to say that you are a nuclear medicine physician, as well as a specialist in another area of physician's training. In radiology, uh, if you choose to do nuclear medicine, you do it at the end of your training uh, and uh, you apply to get on to get a job. And if you choose to do uh, other fellowships, uh, so not nuclear medicine, you might choose to do MRI, you might choose to do body imaging, which is often a lot of CT and some ultrasound. You might choose to do musculoskeletal imaging, which is a combination of MRI and ultrasound usually. Uh, you might choose to do thoracic imaging, which is uh, a lot of CT and some procedures. Uh, you might choose to do neuroimaging, which is dominated by MRI. So there's a wide variety of things that you can choose from. It's a from. big variety. Very wide. Yeah. Make sure to keep in touch with us through social media. Our handle is at the Med Collab, that's T-H-E-M-E-D-C-O-L-L-A-B, on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. Now back to the show. Uh, what part of your job do you find the uh, most difficult or the hardest um, to cope with? I guess for radiology, the uh, the second part exam is a very difficult exam. It's one of the most, it's probably the most difficult second part exam out of all the specialties. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. Um, so that definitely takes at least a year out of your life, getting ready for that. Sure. Often more. So essentially you kind of have to <clears throat> put your life on hold in order to study for this one exam. Pretty much, yeah. And you're talking... I would say 18 months really yeah. uh, to get through that exam and uh, yeah the pass rate is not high so you often have to resit it sure. uh, a second time. So the exam is a tough part of training. Uh, other than that, um, radiology has a difficult on-call in many hospitals. Uh, I, would, I trained at Monash uh, for in radiology and uh, the on-call was challenging and uh, I think that uh, you, you need to sort of understand that although later on you might have a lot of flexibility and choice and work-life balance and all of that sort of stuff, um, during your training you'll be training as hard as most people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so what are, the, uh, what are we looking at if we wanted to get into radiology and especially nuclear medicine? At what uh, point in our career are we able to get onto the advanced physician's training for radiology? Mm. And similarly, is it difficult to get onto, to be able to do the nuclear medicine uh, advanced training as well? So it's always worth checking with someone who's a little closer to that than me, but from when I did it, or my understanding of it is that you can apply for radiology training at the end of your second year. Uh, and. Uh, uh, a lot of people get on either in their third year or their fourth year. Um, you could argue that the people who get on their, in their fourth year probably have a little bit more perspective just because they've had that extra year of clinical experience. Um, in terms of uh, physicians training, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Mm -hmm. I think you probably need to ask a physician trainee that one. Sure. Uh, in regards to nuclear medicine, uh, from a radiology point of view, you can apply in your fourth year. And do, is it difficult to get on once you apply in your fourth year? How many people, were, uh, for example, in your year, how many people applied and how many people actually got on to the advanced? Uh, look, I'm not sure how many people applied because the numbers aren't really published, but sure. I would say that it is uh, moderately difficult to get on in your first go and easier to get on in your second go, but it is currently changing. And by the time the current crop of medical students get through, I suspect that dynamic will have changed. Will have changed. Yeah, and it is difficult to get onto radiology, it is quite difficult to get onto radiology training at the beginning. Would you say, uh, it, it, I guess everything's quite difficult to get into nowadays. Yeah. Uh, how, do, how does the difficulty of radiology compare to both a physician, like a general physician, um, training and a, both a general surgical training, would you say? Uh, look, I would say that it's probably, uh, it, it's, it's reasonably comparable to, to general surgery training, I sure. would say. Um, subspecialty surgical training, I would think some of the subspecialties would be more difficult to get onto than radiology purely because they're just less jobs. Sure. There just aren't as many positions to go for. Um, in terms of physician's training, I would think it would be comparable 
How do you see the job prospects at the moment for nuclear medicine? Is it because I guess, like you said, a lot of us will be coming out in five years' time, and we won't be looking at that for the next at least maybe ten years. Yeah. So, how do you anticipate the field changing over the next five to ten years? Well, I think um, there'll be more and more PET, and there'll be uh, uh, similar quantities of general nuclear medicine. So, overall, the relative ratio of PET to, nucle- uh, to general nuclear medicine will will increase in favour of PET, I think. Um, I think that uh, you've got good prospects uh, from either the radiology or physician streams as long as you have uh, a second string to your bow. I think if you choose to only be a nuclear medicine physician uh, without uh, a physician's specialisation in another area or uh, without doing radiology, then I think it could be difficult. Um, how has your role changed going from a junior registrar to where you are now? Um, or does it change much at all? Or yeah, It does change. I mean, I guess you, you, you just uh, learn to think and act more independently. Uh, when you start as a, a junior registrar, you, you always need to check everything with your, uh, your bosses and uh, you don't really have a lot of perspective in terms of how to resolve a, a situation, particularly if it's an unknown situation. Um, as you become a, a more senior registrar, and particularly once you've passed your exams and what have you, you, you tend to uh, either have already seen a lot of scenarios and you already know how to deal with them because you've seen them before, or alternatively, if you haven't seen it before, you, you know how to find the right solution through your own resources or, or, or contacting someone if you need to. Yeah, it just You're always asking for advice, but you just mm-hmm. ask for less and less of it as you get more senior. Radiology interacts with a lot of other specialties. Uh, I guess that's essentially the core of what they do. Everything comes through as, as a form of referrals. Mm. Um, was that something that you liked about the job going into it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I did enjoy about it was that I always enjoyed interacting with uh, the medical colleagues. And uh, to be honest with you, I enjoyed that more than interacting with the patients. Uh, so for me, it was, uh, it was okay to give up some of the patient contact because you do once you decide to do radiology, um, because you, it, for me it was more than made up by uh, plenty of contact with my colleagues. Sure. I guess kind of going along with that, <clears throat> what kind of people should be doing radiology and nuclear medicine? Or if it's easier to answer, what kind of people aren't suited to this particular role? So I would imagine, for example, if you love a lot of patient contact, then yeah, it's probably it's not probably suited. probably not the best one for you. Yeah, but is there any other, I guess, traits or personalities that uh, are suited or aren't suited? Oh, look, I would say that um, people who love uh, imaging, uh, the visual world, um, you know, believe it or not, even crazy things like video games, that sort of stuff, um, that all plays into radiology quite well. Yeah. Um, or all those things that involve visuospatial orientation. Um, I think attention to detail is a, a very good quality to have as a radiologist. Uh, I think you also need to be a fairly diplomatic sort of person because um, uh, you're constantly interacting with other people who may offer, who are usually the people primarily driving the management of the patient. So you need to be able to interact effectively with people in other specialties and also you you need to get along really well with the other registrars that you work with and consultants because 
otherwise it's just really difficult. You, you work so closely with one another that um, there isn't really a lot of room for uh, uh, too many disagreements and arguments and all of that. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, being di diplomatic, uh, uh, attention to detail, um, and uh, being someone who, who, who enjoys the visual side of things. And, uh, and look, that does extend to procedures, um, not quite to the same extent as surgery, but um, it does help to have some uh, dexterity and some, uh, I guess, if not dexterity, then a, a willingness to sort of uh, learn a recipe, if you like, learn how to do something and just uh, follow it and practice it. And, because you do a lot of procedures in radiology. You mentioned that it's... Nuclear medicine, I would say, less procedures, mm -hmm. more interaction with the patient, so more, uh, more of a willingness to enjoy contact with uh, the patient as well as your colleagues, and also a bit more of an interest in the, in the underlying science and, uh, and physics of it, because it is an area which, um, where the technology does change, and it does help to have a bit of an interest in that, because it helps you understand better when to use which technology, particularly new traces and of things course. like that. Yeah. You mentioned that as a junior doctor, as a medical student, junior resident, it's quite difficult to get into radiology and get an, get some experience in that. What should one do as a medical student or as a junior doctor in order to uh, get themselves uh, better equipped to um, both knowing what radiology is like so that they can determine whether it's right for them and also setting themselves up for, I guess, uh, getting into radiology? Yeah. I think it's always um, the best thing to do in these situations is to uh, try and, um, uh, even as a medical student, um, but more importantly, I would say as an intern and beyond, uh, just to go and meet um, the radiologists in your particular hospital who are, uh, particularly if it's a teaching hospital, the ones that are responsible for recruiting, and just to talk to them and find out what they're looking for. Uh, and above and beyond that, it never hurts to talk to somebody who's either just got in or um, has uh, got in, you know, within the last couple of years, uh, because then you can get an idea of the specifics of what's on the form and, you know, what, what boxes you need to tick. Sure. Um, but in general, it's, it's, it is similar to other areas in the sense that um, your references will always count for a lot. Uh, your CV will always count for a, a reasonable amount as well. On your CV, it doesn't hurt to have a bit of research. It doesn't have to be reams and reams of papers, but it, it helps to have one or two. Something. Yeah, it helps to have something. Um, and then uh, at the very end of the process, you just need to practice a bit before you interview. Sure. Yeah, just two so. last questions. Would you recommend uh, people taking a year off at some point during their career? Well, I guess prior to getting to advanced physicians training? Yeah, well, that's a hard one. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I did the equivalent of that as a medical student um, between my third and fourth years. Uh, um, I did a BMED Sci, which um, was overseas as an exchange student, and that was the closest I got to a year off, and I loved it. I always look back on it very fondly. Um, did it really do a lot for my career? Not really. But did I enjoy it and look back, you know, look back and think, uh, I'm so glad I did it? Yeah. I do. I think the general consensus is not to treat it as a rat race and try to get to the end exactly, as quick as you can. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, the opportunities to take a year off are best, um, best found uh, either during your university or uh, alternatively after your intern year, like just before you, you really get into your residency uh, or alternatively at the end of your registrar training. 
Yeah, those are those are really the easiest times. It's difficult to do it whilst you're a registrar, and it's difficult to do it whilst you're a resident trying to get onto a program. Uh, and does that come back to trying to get those references? Well, not just the references. It just uh, it, it, it's just in terms of uh, continuity on your CV and all of that. Yep. But yeah, in terms of the, the references are important as well. Um, it's just easier to do it at those times. Do you get to keep hobbies outside of medicine as a radiology reg? Yeah, look, as a radiology reg, you certainly can um, at certain times in your training, but I think at other times, uh, because you're working during the day and you're on call and you've got exams to study for, I would say that in your first year, it's it's not that easy to have many hobbies because uh, you've got an exam at the end of your first year, which is your, your part one. Um, your second year is a great time to engage in your hobbies. Uh, I, I did that and I found I had plenty of time then. Um, and you're a little bit more comfortable with the job by that stage. And your third and fourth years, again, it gets more difficult because you've got the exam and, um, you know, that's when your hobbies tend to sort of take a, a back seat. And your fifth year, yeah, you can get back into your hobbies uh, usually. Yeah. Sure. And the last question is, what advice would you have wanted to know as an intern to make your life a little bit easier? Um, yeah, look, if I had my time over again, I would have questioned a lot more. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of interns uh, feel as if they uh, they just need to do what their registrar or their consultant tells them to do, uh, without perhaps understanding what they're doing. Um, if I had my time again, I would say I would say to anyone, I think that you should um, uh, be brave, and uh, if you don't understand why you're doing something, take your registrar or your consultant to a side aside for one moment and ask them why and if they treat you you know if they give you an ineffective response to that um that's their negative not yours wonderful thank you so much for coming okay thank you pleasure that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening please make sure to complete the survey for this episode we want to make sure the episodes are as useful as possible and the surveys help us to monitor whether they're making an impact on our fellow peers. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps more than you can imagine. The link can be found on our Facebook and our blog. Alright guys, see you next week.